Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we talk about the future church. We talk about leadership in the church, and we talk about how we can all lead more efficiently and make an impact in the world that's ahead of us. Today, we have a special guest we're excited to have here, Pastor Darius Daniels from Change Church, and we are thrilled to have you. Just want to see how you're doing. Welcome to Texas, man. It's great. I'm glad to be here. It's hot, but it's not hot, hot. <laughs> it's not hot, no, no, hot. No, no, <laughs> it's no. Not. It's like, oh, it can get hot, hot. This is Texas. mild Texas right now. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Great being with you guys. So Come. what part of the country are you in? Where is your church located all around? Um, so we have sites in New Jersey, primarily central Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got no- Northern, which is closer to New York. So we're in central Jersey. Ewing is kind of our main campus. That's Trenton, Princeton area. Okay. And... Um, then we have a campus in West Hampton, which is headed toward the Philadelphia All right. area of PA. And uh, at the beginning of this year, we, we launched a, a campus in Orlando, Florida. Oh, wow. And we have a, a, a micro site, an extension site in Los Angeles that we launched sometime last year. So it's, um, it's really great. It's adventurous. It's yeah, did, highly experimental. Did you just say New Jersey, Florida, California? Yeah, highly experimental. <laughs> Tell me about that. Highly experimental. Well, one, several years ago when I planted my church, I planted, my, my inspiration to plant a church came from my experience with this professor at seminary okay. named Daryl Guter. So this was a long time ago. So mm-hmm. this was like early 2000s when um, he he's actually the guy that coined the phrase missional church. Wow. And so I took my first, when I, said, I think it was systematic theology. It was team taught by him and a guy named Bruce McCormick. And after that systematic theology class, whatever Dr. Guda taught, I jumped in it. Mm-hmm. And long story short, it just really shifted my view of the church. My ecclesiology became more liquid and mm-hmm. more fluid mm-hmm. and more experimental and more contextual. And so um, when we planted our church, we always planted with a very fluid view of what it means to be the church. And we just kind of gave ourselves permission mm-hmm. to experiment with different ways to be the church based on the context that we found ourselves in. And so that's kind of what we're doing. And if it doesn't work, we'll just stop and do something else. Right. (laughs) Yes. We don't have to get caught up. Yeah. Now, are there specific reasons you chose Orlando or California? Well, not, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but yeah, we do. We feel like one, we kind of feel like one of the calls of our church is to carve out hard ground. Mm-hmm. meaning that areas that are not necessarily saturated with Christianity and culture where there isn't a great Christian presence. Uh, I feel like that's kind of the nature of my calling mm-hmm. and somewhat the nature of the calling of the churches that we plant. Okay. And so we literally, the Los Angeles thing came first, and we just felt like uh, part of what it means to be missional is to, to see what God is already doing mm-hmm. and then join him there. And so the Los Angeles thing just kind of, it was organic. We didn't start it. There was just these watch parties that started taking place mm-hmm. with people who were connecting with each other through our stream. Gotcha. And we saw that something unique was happening there, that God was doing something. And uh, we didn't quite have the, the person to lead it, and we didn't feel the nudge to make it a full-out campus. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, we felt like it could it could be more than what it was. So we experimented with this idea of a microsite extension site mm-hmm. because God was already doing something there. Right. And um, not too long after that, we started sensing that we were supposed to put another 
church somewhere. And for me, I, I personally kind of went through this period of two years of discerning uh, with my pastor, with my executive coach, something that I was feeling because I was feeling transition. So I started praying through what did that mean for me? Was my time as a senior pastor up? Was I going to join a team somewhere and focus on my teaching ministry, et cetera? But long story short, just through a series of kind of supernatural events, we kind of landed on Orlando, which is in the South, but it is not Bible Belt by any stretch of the imagination. And so uh, we're having an incredibly joyous yet difficult time Mm -hmm. carving out of work, competing with Disney and palm trees and oh my goodness. weather and Florida. So what? Oh, you get yo, So what does it look like to compete with that? To compete with <laughs> Florida, compete with beaches, Disney. What's the culture like there? How how have you had to change, shift, rearrange your how you do ministry and how you are mis- how you reach out to the culture? Well, I think the best way I can compare it to is I can compare it to New Jersey, uh-huh. which the culture there is not highly relational. Okay. That's, it's, it's East Coast, right? So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say rude. If you come from the South, you say, <laughs> right. yo, y'all are rude. Right. But it's not necessarily rude. The, the culture is just not a highly relational culture. Mm-hmm. It's very fast paced. New Jersey is one of the most densely populated states right. in um, the country. It's right on the edge of New York and New Jersey. So you got a lot of commuter, uh, a lot of uh, commuting taking place, taking place. And so uh, the, the point that I'm making is it's just not highly relational mm-hmm. at all, and it's a very kind of corporate culture. Okay. So you kind of have to fight against transact, uh, kind of uh, creating a transactional culture or allowing a transactional culture in all church because right. it's just kind of the culture of the area. It's like, hey, I don't really expect that much from you. I come to church. I do my thing. You give me what I need. I give you what you need. Right. I might volunteer every now and then, and then I got to go. You know, that's kind of yeah. the Jersey culture. Um, and people really associate there's like an aspect of their identity that's tied to the area it's like mm-hmm. i'm jersey i'm right. a jersey boy or, i'm a new yorker or, i'm philly yeah. like once um sunday i was speaking right and i referenced i, I mm-hmm. made mention to uh, uh, this lady who was sitting on the front row mm-hmm. and i was like yeah brooklyn right and she was like straight up she mean mugged me she was like no bronx i was like oh i'm sorry <laughs> oh, my <laughs> bad it's, it's yeah it's <laughs> She's like, yo, this is different. And so the point that I'm making is, man, Orlando, a lot of the people there, they aren't indigenous. Mm -hmm. So it's this weird, it doesn't have this identity. It doesn't even feel like the rest of Florida. Like I tell people all the time, Orlando and Miami is not Florida. If you think you're going to go to other parts of Florida and get what you get in Orlando and Miami, you're (laughs) going to be disappointed. It's so eclectic. You got people from all over the, the place. And so it's really difficult to get a read on it Mm -hmm. and people there are not from there so relationships become huge wow okay yeah because you can't compete with i don't care how dope your lights are can't compete with disney's lights yeah you just can't and how nice your people are you Mm -hmm. can't you can't compete with disney culture so it's really we have to really and have to be really intentional about figuring out every culture in a geographical region is rich and poor somewhere Mm -hmm. and the gospel makes you rich where you're poor and so we have to identify that poverty and that poverty in New Jersey is different than the poverty in Orlando. And so that's kind of, man, you're talking to pastors and leaders right now about where they're at. And even churches now there's, 
there's communities and cultures shifting around where churches are, mm-hmm. and different people are here, different people are there, and there's pastors who are wrestling with how do I reach? You know, they're finding themselves in a different area. Maybe they want to plant. Maybe they want to go multi-site. Yeah. And I'm hearing you say the way you do church in one place isn't going to work in another place. Unless you're reaching the same demographic. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? You're in a, yep. Yeah. So totally. if, if, if you've got the same type of socioeconomic status in the mm-hmm. seats where you are, same kind of age range in the seats where you are, then those models can be replicated mm-hmm. a little more. But when you have, um, like at a church like this, where you've got generational diversity and socioeconomic mm-hmm. diversity and ethnic diversity, it's a little bit more difficult to right. just grab a model from the latest conference and just right. plop it. Boom. into the church <laughs> and expect for it to work. Is there anything you think that transcend, transcends, I heard you say relationships. Mm-hmm. Are there are there certain things that you know what, if we get this, we're going we're gonna to be good? Yeah, we've identified four things. Okay. So, again, the greatest form of poverty in the world is spiritual poverty. And when there's spiritual mm-hmm. poverty, there's going to be absence of four things. It's going to be absence of passion. So at some point, um, the kind of life that Jesus describes, a life overflowing with zeal, joy, and fulfillment that's going to be absent. So like in the Northeast, there's drivenness, mm-hmm. but not passion. Gotcha. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. So poverty of passion, uh, where people are living without being alive, I believe that transcends everywhere. Yeah. Poverty of principles. In some places it's going to be a poverty, poverty of principles. And when principles become clear, decisions become easier. There, mm-hmm. there are no ethical guidelines um, that predetermine the decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the scriptures give us, right? They give us the gift of clarity on what decisions we should and should make before we have to make them. Right. Like if you're single, you don't, it, it becomes easier to make a dating decision when you stand under the principle, I won't be unequally yoked. Right. And so when you don't have principles, you got to live life by experimentation. And you got to roll the dice and the difference um, with rolling the dice with life as opposed to rolling the dice with money. When you roll the dice with, with, with money, if you lose it, you can get it back. Right. With life, you can't get time back. Mm-hmm. And um, so and then there's poverty of power where basically the only help that a person when you, when you have poverty of power, the only help you have is human help. And there are some seasons you're going to walk through and situations mm-hmm. you're going to deal with. Well, the help you, you will need will be more than human help. Wow. And, um, and the last one is poverty of purpose, where you wake up every day, no matter how much money you got in the bank and how much you've achieved uh, vocationally, and you don't know why you're on this earth. Mm-hmm. And you don't find fulfillment until you find purpose. Mm-hmm. And so we believe those four things transcend culture they transcend class they transcend region and those are going to be the four areas that we kind of lean into as a church that's big that's big um so there is a topic when you talk about church and reaching generations reaching cultures there's something going on in our in our world today this concept you've been you've been talking about and wrestling with called i quit church (laughs) yeah and i want to know a little bit about what is this all about what's going on in today's world where so many people are saying, I quit church. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that. It's a reality, I think, that we, we got to acknowledge, especially yeah. here in churches in America. Mm-hmm. All the data is showing us that. Yeah. Denominations are declining. 
the in, there's increases in denominational churches closing their doors, mm-hmm. increases in, in uh, increases in uh, the amount of pastors who are actually walking away from ministry. Those those statistics are alarming, mm-hmm. and those numbers are increasing with the younger generations who feel like I kind of got more options, right? You know, <laughs> like somebody hits and say, "Yo, I'm not gonna do this the rest of my life." So, the data is pointing that way. But I this is what I believe: all church quitters aren't created equal. There are two groups. Okay. So there's one group that have quit church for several different reasons. I call them group one. Group group one, I believe, is a group of people who've inappropriately justified their quitting. So there are several characteristics of people in this group. Here are a few of them. One is people in group one have spiritualized their selfishness, meaning they've confused their preferences with God's plan. So because church isn't what they thought it should be, they assume church isn't what God wants it to be. Mm -hmm. And so actually they're putting their preferences over God's plan. So they spiritualize their selfishness. Mm -hmm. And when you spiritualize your selfishness, you make yourself a victim when you aren't because you feel like you feel entitled to things being your way. And so when things aren't your way, then all of a sudden you're, you know, you've been wronged. Right. And no, that's just spiritualize your selfishness. That's, (laughs) <laughs> so you've got <laughs> that's one characteristic mm-hmm. of the group group uh, another characteristic of the group is they've recreated their own version of christianity with mm-hmm. a god who doesn't require community commitment or priority now who is that god <laughs> right. yeah it's idolatry because yeah. instead of god making us we make him right and so it's people who don't want to align their life with some scriptural standards mm-hmm. it's people who want a god that does not require that they put him first mm-hmm it's, it's people who want a Christianity that's privatized and that does not require community mm-hmm. and doesn't require commitment. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to overtalk it, but, you know, those are just you, you got people who kind of fall into that category. And I believe when it comes to people in that category, our response to them should be intercession. Mm-hmm. Where we're praying for God's intervention. We're praying for a prodigal son moment with them right? because you can't reach them with logic. Mm-hmm. And so if we have to create a God mm-hmm. that aligns with, mm-hmm. so if we have to create a God that aligns with the God in your head and not the God of the Bible, then Christianity isn't for you then. right? You have the right. God allows you to reject it. And we have to allow you to make that decision too. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's group one. We aren't talking about that group. There is group two, though. Right. And for group two, they quit church, not because they don't believe in God or in church, but church has become a trigger for their trauma. Okay. Wow. It, it, it is. It's, it, it has become a trigger for the trauma. I think, and for these people have been victims of a church with a flawed ecclesiology that confuses the church with God. The church is the body of Christ, mm-hmm. but it isn't Christ. Right. It's God's family, but it isn't God. Mm-hmm. So God always gets it right. We don't. Mm. God never has to apologize. We do. God never misspeaks. We do. Quite frequently. Yeah. <laughs> God never <laughs> misinterprets himself. Right. We do. Mm-hmm. God never mismanages us. We mismanage people. Mm-hmm. God is not imperfect. We are. And when you're in community, other people become victims of your imperfection. Right. And so it's one thing to be imperfect, though. It's another thing to kind of be dysfunctional. So the point that I'm making is that in Matthew 21, Jesus goes into the temple. 
turns over tables, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But he says something that's, I think, super important. It's written that my father's house should be a house of prayer. Mm-hmm. You made it into a den of thieves. Mm-hmm. This is what's scary. He has to tell them that they've created something that's inconsistent with God's intention. Mm-hmm. They don't even know it. They have in church enjoying it, right. and it's wrong. And bad religion isn't neutral. Mm-hmm. It hurts people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it either helps people or hurts people. Yeah. And so, man, so some people have been, without a doubt, they've been victims. Jesus turned over the, right, he turned over those tables. He ran out the money changers because they were exploiting. And church can be exploited. There are two types of exploitation, intentional and unintentional. Right. You can use people and not try to, but you're still using them. You're still exploiting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a word, it's called spiritual opportunism. And um, that is kind of what can happen in some church settings. And people, just quite frankly, are not always walking away from church. They're walking away from abuse. Mm -hmm. They're walking away from exploitation. Some of them are walking away from molestation. Some are walking away from harassment. Many of them are walking away from irrelevance. Mm -hmm. Um, And although we cannot, as church leaders, condone it, Mm-hmm. We do need to understand it, okay. so we can correct it. Yeah. How do we How do we hit the pause button <clears throat> and evaluate? As we're talking to church leaders right now, how do we evaluate? Am I a part of the problem? Well, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, the answer is yes. Uh-huh. Right. So, right. So. <laughs> Maybe it's the awareness that I'm a part of the problem because yeah, so like, am I? Yes. yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think whether intentional or unintentional, okay. my point is others are impacted by our imperfections, right. right? So if you, if someone miss, if someone has a bad emotional day, mm-hmm. and you mishandle a volunteer, mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't try to harm them. That's not intentional. Right. But they were harmed. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I think it's important to, to, to kind of start mm-hmm. from there. And um, really what I'm attempting to do is use this series not as a flashlight to try to shine light on everything that's wrong. Okay. Because I feel like churches have, they're different, so we talk about the universal church, mm-hmm. there are different tribes. Right. And depending on the tribe you kind of come up in, that's going to be your experience. Like I had one, one, one of our members, a, a younger lady. Um, she said, "You know, I came right." She said, "I came to this church in my teenage years, so this is kind of the only thing I know." So she's like, "Some of the things you are talking about, I can't relate to." Mm. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that, right? That I might a church leader might be listening to this, and you're part of a tribe where some of the things that I listed aren't necessarily things that were present. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's still going to be some imperfection, gotcha. but some of those things I listed may not be present in your tribe. This series though is for leaders who I think when you hear some of the things that I'm talking about, your senses go up and you begin to see things that need to be adjusted, mm-hmm. corrected, altered mm-hmm. so that we can get to the place where we can really say, if we don't want people, or if we want people to quit quitting church, mm-hmm. we need to stop doing the things that make them quit. <laughs> that's pretty, that's, that's to the point. Stop doing those things. What, what are, 
uh, I heard you say another word a second ago, entitled. And the, the younger generation now gets tagged with the word entitlement, an entitlement generation right now. How does, how does church, how does Christianity, how does Christ followers reach out and make an impact to those who do feel entitled or are trying to create a God that fits the box they want him to be in? Yeah, I think one of the things that, I think the greatest gift that the church, one of the greatest gifts that the church is able to give the culture is truth. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about mm-hmm. quitting church, some people will take that, or when I talk about uh, making adjustments, doing self-assessments, they'll mm-hmm. take that and mean, and think I mean be accommodating, like mm-hmm. be accommodating to those that are entitled. Right. When what I'm saying is, I think what Jesus does is he models for us the way to do church, no matter what cultural context you find mm-hmm. yourself in. So if we take his virtues, his values, his vantage point, and we, we contextualize that, no matter where we are, I think in a situation like where you're dealing with people that are entitled, you're able to take the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, because the, the gospel is the answer, isn't it? Like if the gospel's mm-hmm. really rightly taught and rightly preached, then people are able to see that we are benefiting from a relationship with God we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. one of the reasons that God requires gratitude and praise mm-hmm. is not because he has low self-esteem. Right. It's not because he needs it, we need it. Because gratitude is the antidote for entitlement. Right. And I think one of the things that is important with this generation speak is that there was a generation you could just say what? Right. This is a generation you got to say why. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Jesus had to do. That's why he told so many parables to kind of get people to see. Right. So I think whatever we see, wherever we see a generational or a ge- geographical stronghold, mm-hmm. we have to be able not to just speak truth in love about what the Bible says about this, but why the Bible says it. Mm-hmm. Hey, this might be a blind spot. Entitlement. This is what entitlement is. And if it is unaddressed, this is what it can do in your life, in your relationships with others, and in your relationship with God. And this is the antidote. This is the answer the scriptures provide to us in dealing with it. Wow, that's good. So we're we're talking about entitlement and gratitude being the antidote for that. And and a generation in today's world that's so much different. I think every generation changes. The pendulum shifts from one direction to the next. And I think as church leaders, we have the charge and the opportunity to try to to try to look around the corner to see what's what's coming down the road so that everybody says this now so that we don't end up blockbuster mm. so that we can be more like Netflix how do we get ahead of what's coming and what are some of the things what are some of the challenges you see with the generations coming up now what are some of the challenges we're going to have being missional being on mission being the church in yeah. the future i think it starts with and this is just this is just a conviction of mine. It's not the answer, but it is a answer. Mm-hmm. Um, the perspective it is just a perspective, and that is I really think we've got to be liquid in our ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. Like we really have to be fluid in. Okay, this is what it means to be the church, mm-hmm. so that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the way church expresses itself, right? You don't see anything in scripture that lays that out. Because the assumption is that that's going to have to be contextualized based on the, based on the places that you're in geographically mm-hmm. and the era that you live in historically. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So I believe it's, it's got to start there. I think a lot of times churches like Blockbuster, they confuse their way with right. their what. Right. And that was right. Blockbuster's right. issue, right? It was you're confusing your way with your what. You're mm-hmm. stuck in this store experience. Right. You come in here, be kind, rewind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, no, man, your what is delivering this type of content to your customer. And so I think it starts there, mm-hmm. you know, and what leaders do is leaders contextualize. Mm-hmm. Leaders do more than read a text, they read culture and they figure out ways to do church that, to make sure that our way doesn't get in yeah. in the way of our what. And in terms of, you know, man, the future five years from now, whatever, I'm, I'm an optimist. Yeah, I feel like especially in America, <laughs> I feel like church leaders are really in a panic mm-hmm. because now we actually have to evangelize. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, you actually have to reach people now. We mm-hmm. actually have to go out and compel people to come, as Jesus said. We, right. we have to actually, we have to be able, as Peter says, to give an answer right. to every man right, regarding right. the hope that's They're in not us. just coming looking for us. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, no one is, they're not going to just wake up tomorrow and say, I think I'm going to go to church today. Right. No, and so the, the, the Bible uh, was written during a time where culture was much more hostile mm-hmm. to our faith than we live in now. And uh, I'm really optimistic about the future. I think part of this decline is part of it, I think, is good. I think it's a corrective. Mm-hmm. I think it is God's way and his providence of correcting the church in some areas that we need to be corrected. And as we align ourselves with God's original intent, I think we'll see we'll see fruitfulness. Now, what do you think? Um, so I'm reading about uh, Mark Cuban's talking about artificial intelligence is going to be the next big thing in mm-hmm. business. I'm seeing virtual reality pop up all over the place. Yeah, I'm seeing holograms. When when you see these things and hear these things, how do you think that those may or may not impact the church? I think it will be it, there will be some impact to some degree, yeah. and I've I've actually been in rooms where there've been conversations about this among religious leaders. Right. And um, I heard one presenter say something one time that stuck with me, stuck out to me and I've never forgotten it he said there will always be a cry in the human soul Mm -hmm. and a thirst that exists that can only be quenched by the design by the divine Mm -hmm. and the church is a broker right for the divine and as long as we are doing that and faithful to that Mm -hmm no matter what happens technology-wise, people will always come running to the church to get what cannot be duplicated or created by any other type of technology. so good. And it's an opportunity for us. Yes. To be creative. Yes. Wow, that's exciting. Leverage it. Uh, I just want to encourage leaders, as you're listening to this, to to not be scared, like Pastor Darius is saying. Don't be... engage get creative don't get hung up on the the way yeah but get behind the what and 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 get out there making an impact in the culture today because 
people are quitting church, people aren't coming to church, and now we get an opportunity to be the church Jesus Christ called us to be. Absolutely. So, man, you, you got me excited. I know people listening are going to be excited to go out and start thinking through how we can continue to be creative in reaching a generation uh, for Jesus Christ. So thank you for being here with us, man. It's been a awesome. blast. Thank you for having me. All the way from the East Coast. Come on. So, man, we're so super pumped Jersey. to have you here. Jersey in the house. Thank you for joining us on the Leadership Roundtable. Go Eagles. Go, no, no, no. This is Cowboy <laughs> Country. Cowboy Country. Go Eagles. Uh, we're not having that here. You can edit that out, right? Uh, <laughs> but, no, thank you so much. We're grateful that you joined us today. And um, please go check us out. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Um, help us get the word out about this podcast because our goal is to provide resources and have conversations that impact and make a difference in your church and in your business and in the organization you work in. Our goal is to help you and provide uh, the best we can as you push forward the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.